Are you taking a reactive or proactive approach to your taxes? Do you wait until the year is over and hope for the best when tax time comes around? Is your business taking accurate tax deductions and receiving all the tax credits you deserve? Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. Today, we will answer these questions and many more. So sharpen your pencil and take some notes. Now, here is your host, Marcelino Dodge. Welcome to show 58 of the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge, enrolled agent. Certainly appreciate all the wonderful listeners around the world who download this podcast throughout the United States, Europe, and Asia. Such a joy to have such a diverse audience. Really appreciate that. Also, keep in mind that this video that is talking about home office, the deductibility of a home office today, will be posted later on to the Cash Tracks Financial YouTube page. And please subscribe to that page. All are invited to schedule a mutual exploration session with me, Marcelino Dodge, as I work with taxpayers all over the country to help them, whether they're an individual or they're a business, to pay as little tax as possible within the tax law and maybe even try to help you to increase wealth right along the way. We have a lot of good tax planning services available and we'll work with you year around. You can always contact me through uh, email, which is success at cashtracksfinancial.com or give a call directly to the office here, which is 844-394-4287. Visit us at www.cashtracksfinancial.com and you can actually schedule a virtual online appointment right through the website there. And as I mentioned a moment ago, our topic today is going to be the home office. Is the home office a deduction? And if you sell your home later on, what effect does this have on the sale of the home? We're going to take a look at some of those circumstances today because these are important important to consider for uh, if you're a remote worker on Ally or if you're with uh, Virtual 5 O'Clock, one of those kind of areas, or one of another group that perhaps does a lot of work from home, you need to understand exactly what kind of deductions can I take? Is your tax professional helping you to know about what deductions are available and even if you can take any of these deductions? So I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna discuss these today with you to help you to be able to really understand these as well. And so what makes it possible for one to be able to take deductions on the home? Well, it depends on all the facts and circumstances involved. Just like many, many areas with the IRS, everything depends on facts and circumstances. And this is very important to consider because many companies, as we see, have gone virtual over the last two years with the pandemic. And some some are having their employees work from home. Other people have been starting businesses, a lot of different home-based businesses, and doing a lot of just entrepreneurs happening. So we got to really understand what can we deduct or can we deduct uh, deductions in our home? As I mentioned, there's a lot of home-based businesses there. You got daycare providers, which are in some areas are opening up. They have deductions that they can take, which are a little bit different than other home office deductions. That could be a whole discussion on its own. If you're a contractor of some sort and you've got a home office, how much can you take? You have consultants, you have direct sellers, all of these areas are affected by a home office and can have deductions there that they may not be aware of. Also, if you have an office in your home, what travel from your home is deductible? Is travel from your home deductible? You're gonna have different uh, 
opinions on this, depending on the tax professional. I've encountered this area where some have uh, this not allowed certain travel from the home, others have. Well, we're going to take a look and see exactly what the IRS says, because there are certain exceptions for certain uh, circumstances in there. Now, what vehicle expenses can I deduct? Once again, it comes into, uh, are we looking at mileage? Are we looking at actual expenses? When can we take those? What is required to do so? I'm going to take a brief look at that. I have a whole other podcast that just talks about what kind of expenses you can deduct on a business vehicle. And that gets rather extensive on there. We'll probably have another one coming up here again uh, in the near future as well. We got to keep in mind that the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017 also made some adjustments to the rules that had been in place for several years. This has been since the 2018 tax years that unreimbursed employee business deductions have uh, been greatly reduced under the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017. Just a few different areas that we're going to cover today. So what we're going to first of all start off with is, are you, uh, where is your tax home? Let me step back here. Where is your tax home? Or what is a tax home? That's a very important consideration when we look at home office because we need to really understand what a tax home is. And it's looked at as the regular place of business or where you're posted, where your duty is. And this is actually regardless of where you, you live. So you could live like, for example, in, I'll just use, use the Colorado, some Colorado areas here. You could actually live in Colorado Springs, and this has actually happened. A lot of people live like in Colorado Springs, but actually work in Denver. And that's where their regular place of business is, is in Denver. So that could be their tax home, their general area. Now, if you're working from your home and your office is in your home and your main business is in your home and you do all your business in, in, in one bigger general area like Colorado Springs, for example, then that could very well be your tax home because that's where your business or your work is located. And so as we take a look here at this, we got to consider a big question, which is, are you self-employed or are you a contractor? Do you basically work for yourself? The reason this question is so important because when it comes to taking an office in the home, under current law, it makes a humongous, uh, just a huge difference as to whether you can actually take it or not. And so because, as I mentioned earlier, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act made a huge adjustment to the rules regarding office in the home, in particular for employees. So if you're getting a W-2, then there are no reimbursed, unreimbursed employee business expenses at this time. Now, if the law sunsets as it's scheduled to in a few years, those may come back, but we're going to kind of see what happens over the next few years in the climate and see, we see if Congress makes any adjustments to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So we're going to take a look, though, mainly today as we go into this on the taxpayer using the home for business. And this will be actually looking closely at the self-employed taxpayer, who they are, are they actually conducting business? Is the taxpayer having a spot in the home that they are using for business purposes? Now, as we look at the home for business, this can actually include a sole proprietor, which when we're talking about a sole proprietor, that can also include someone who is operating a business as a single person 
LLC, because those are taxed as sole proprietors unless they make a different tax election. Now, this could also perhaps be a statutory employee, one who uh, essentially gets a W-2 but has that little box checked on their W-2 that has them as a statutory employee. I've done a few of these individuals over the years, and with the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, some employers actually made that adjustment so that they're because there are definitions for a statutory employee that have to be met, but once those are met, then a statutory employee can actually take an office in the home. And then you look at farmer. If you're a farmer, there's a way that can be done as well, take an office in the home deduction. And then if you're a partner in a partnership, there's a certain ways that can be done as well. So we're going to kind of take a broad look at this today, because really to, to sift through this information I'm going to provide is going to be good, but you really need to get with a tax professional to help you to really sort through this information. But hopefully I can give you some good basic understanding of that today. Many entrepreneurs, as I talked about, they're starting business, they're operating businesses from their home. Sadly, though, they're doing so, but they're not always talking to a tax professional before they do it. And so many people go and do this, which is what I've highly recommended through the podcast on numerous occasions, is if you even have an inkling of starting a business, it's vital to talk to a tax professional about that. That way you don't get with those taxes later on down the road or talk to the tax professional as soon as you possibly can after you do it. Or even really it's best before you start. That way you know what kind of entity you're going to have, whether you're going to be a sole proprietor and know what the tax consequences are, or know if you're going to be an LLC or a corporation. All of those are important to consider. So if you're not looking at starting a business or if you have started the business, it's vital that you get with your tax professional to understand what is what the tax ramifications are going to be. And now is an excellent time to be doing that here in the middle of the year. So if you're operating from your home with an office and that's your sole place of business, that's one requirement you got to have. It is your sole place of business, basically operating there. You could be, uh, if you're operating as a contractor, setting up various jobs, doing from your home, then you go out and you perform uh, the building or remodeling, but your sole place of business is in your home, that certainly counts. Also an important consideration when you're looking for business or an office in the home deduction is it cannot be added to a loss. So basically, if you make, after you take all of your other expenses, including depreciation, if your net profit after all of your expenses is zero, for example, and say you have a $1,000 office in the home deduction, you can't take that deduction. It cannot put you into a loss. Or if your business is already in like a negative 2,000 because of all the other expenses, you cannot take the office in the home deduction. So this comes in handy when you're calculating and you have a profit going, but it cannot be taken if you have a loss or if it or you cannot take it all if there's not enough profit to be able to, uh, to use up all of the office in the home deduction. But if you're doing the office in the home through uh, the calculations on the form, you could have a carryover into the next year that could actually help you into the next year. So there are some, some benefits there. Now, as I mentioned, it, there's actual expenses, which I just touched on a little bit through the proper form, the actual expenses where you calculate actual expenses for a home office deduction, or an option is to take 
the safe harbor. We're going to talk a little bit more about the safe harbor in a little bit, but that's the two ways you have. You have actual expenses and you have a safe harbor. So then what though can qualify us to be able to even take a home office deduction? Well, we got to meet the tests. It's like everything else with the IRS. There are certain tests, certain requirements, certain areas that have to be met in order to meet the qualification. Or as I like to put in my deal here, boxes to check. And once we check all those boxes, then you can take the deduction. Now, there is an exclusive use test, which what this means is the fact that you have a 10 by 10 area in your home that has a desk that has an area and all the only use for that area is for business purposes. That's not an area where you go in and you go play games later on the computer or you go in and take care of other personal matters there, but that is an exclusive business area. And that is one area that some people get caught on when they get audited, when it comes to office in the home, is that they, they don't pass the exclusive use test because they do so many other uh, personal tasks there in addition to business, but it has to be exclusive for business use to be able to take that deduction. Now, there are some, there is an exception of an area that you perhaps use to store inventory and product samples. Some people who are like direct sellers will order in some various products. They'll have them there. They're on shelves that they store them on for purposes of selling at a later date. So they have a little bit of an inventory. Now that storage area that, that's used there, whatever that square footage, of that storage area, that can be used for a home office deduction. So that's a good little area to know. So if you're in one of those areas doing some uh, direct selling and have some products on your shelves, whether it be like some type of supplements or whatever the case may be, which supplements are, are one of the common ones I see, is that you can take that office deduction there. Now the one exception, another exception to the exclusive use test is if you, you are using your home for a daycare. There's a whole set of rules that goes in with daycare and use of the home. Once again, you do some square footage calculations and you do some other calculations all in there, but you do not have to meet the use as uh, exclusive use for a daycare because there's going to be parts of the home when you use a daycare that's going to have a non-exclusive use. But that's, that's a whole nother discussion just on daycare. But be aware, if you are running a daycare, you do not need to meet the exclusive use test. Another test that is the regular use test. So this must be an area that you use regularly for a certain type of uh, activities regarding to business. And you regularly use, it's not necessarily a set number of hours, but it is in regular use. It's not something that you just kind of use um, a couple times a year, but it's something that has some type of regular use, probably a few times during the week where you're regularly there taking care of paperwork, uh, maybe sending out invoices, uh, adding up payments, so on. So you got to have that regular use as well as you have to be in a legitimate trade or business use. So as we're talking here, trade or business use, vitally important to be able to do that. So, so that yes, being in a trade or business of some sort allows you to take this office in the home deduction. But what is principal place of business? Let's look at that just a little bit more here because in order to be able to, once again, take this office in the home deduction, you gotta have a principal place of business. Now, 
Some people, because of the way they're doing business, we got online businesses and so on. Their principal place of business isn't the normal like brick and mortar store or a retail store where people will come in and purchase items because of so many people, so many of us are selling items online through various marketplaces. So your regular, your principal place of business, once again, could very well be, be your home, could be your home office. And so there's an exclusive, there's an exclusivity and admin test that needs to be met. So are you doing regular activities to manage your business in this location? That would certainly qualify it as a principal place of business. And once again, if you're like a contractor, you're going outside of there, but you're at your place in your home, your home office, and you're writing out estimates, you're uh, making out statements, invoices, sending those out to people. That's exclusive regular admin use. There's a lot of other activities that fit into that. And certainly uh, if we need to have that discussion and you can have that with me uh, in one of our uh, exploration sessions, we can certainly have that. And there's no other, no other activity. So basically it comes down to, you may have a, you can have maybe another place where you store materials, which isn't necessarily at your home, but you don't do any administrative activities there, but you do all of your management activities at your home. Now, an interesting part about this is that some people, some entrepreneurs even have more than one type of business. And, but you can use, as long as you're using that home office only for business, it, it still counts. So even if it's one more than one business, once again, keep in mind that this home office, as long as it's used for business purposes, can be used only for just business and but more than one business. Now, also keep in mind, as you have this particular setup here, this is not required to meet people. See, some people, some people do choose to meet uh, clients or individuals in their homes, in their home office. Well, it's certainly not a requirement. So if you have, uh, if you're like some type of consultant or you're in the medical field or you're even in the tax field like I am and you decide to have an office in your home, you don't have to meet your patients, your clients or your customers in your home to qualify as a home office as long as it's your regular pace of business. If you're there at the home office and you regularly uh, schedule appointments and you regularly do administrative tasks, but then you make the appointments and then you go out to the individual's home or their place, or you meet them in a business meeting, that doesn't pull away from your office in the home because you're, you're going out and meeting them, but you're taking care of administrative tasks. You're taking care of a lot of tasks though that are really, really important. So, you just keep on working at that and keep doing what you can. And keep in mind that once again, you do not need to be meeting patients, clients, or customers. Now, can it be a separate structure? Yeah, you can have a separate structure at your home as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be attached to your home, but it can be a separate structure that is uh, perhaps detached. And I have encountered this as well, where some people have like their big, home, but then they have a nice, a nice little building off to the side where what they do is they have like their beauty shop in there. I've seen that 
or they have storage for their business. Or I've had one client who actually had their like did their little tattoo business in a separate structure. Yes, now it still can be considered a home office because overall all the property and all of those areas. So then what can we do then? How do we take, how do we calculate the deduction? What do we do? Well, we can take actual expenses or as I mentioned earlier, we can do a safe harbor. What is the safe harbor? Well, this is, once you calculate the square footage that you're going to use, you're going to then, so if you have like a 300 square feet area that you're using, you get $5 per square foot. That's the maximum amount of square footage you can take on the safe harbor is 300 square feet. So basically the maximum deduction under the safe harbor is $1,500. So then what we go in and do is we just put that in there. A good part about that is, is that it's not auditable. Uh, you're not gonna be checked on that. But once again, you still have the limitation on the safe harbor that it cannot be greater than whatever business income is. Now, also, if you use the safe harbor and you've been using it, there's no carryover. So yes, if you do have a loss, but you have the home office, but you use the safe harbor, you're not gonna carry that over into the next year. See, that's where the actual expense does have an advantage is that it does carry over in the years that you're not able to fully utilize it. So then actual expenses come in on the office in the home. What are these actual expenses? Well, there's two types. There's direct expenses, which those are expenses that only apply directly to the office in the home. That's, that can be repairs to the area, that can be certain changes to the area. That is a number of different areas that all fall in there. So we just got to keep in mind that direct. I haven't encountered a lot direct, but I do see some direct expenses on occasion where one's made specific changes or specific adjustments to the area where they have their office in the home. Now, another area that I mentioned that is very common that I deal with quite a bit is indirect expenses. Well, indirect, what exactly is an indirect expense? This is an expense that is basically used on the entire home and then is then categorized or actually then calculated what percentage of that use then is for the home office. And that's where the square footage comes in. Sometimes people come in and says, well, I spent this much, this much, and this much on it. And they're talking about the utilities, they're talking about their insurance, general repairs, mortgage interest, all of those areas. But yet sometimes, and many times, at least I've encountered with many people I work with, is that I have to go back and ask, okay, what is the square footage of the home? And they kind of give me that look like, huh? I don't know. I says, well, we need the square footage of the home. And then we also need the square footage of the place that you are using as your home office, that you are exclusively using as your home office. We have to have that in order to make a calculation. So we'll take up, we'll get, we'll get the utilities, we'll get the insurance, general repairs, mortgage insurance, property taxes, all of those areas. And then we take a percentage of that based on how, what percentage uh, of the house 
is used for business purposes. So that's where we have to have the total square footage of the home. We have to have the square footage of the area being exclusively used. And then based on that, a percentage is developed as to how much of all the indirect expenses that we can take as a deduction. Now, what makes this really nice for self-employed individuals that have their business in their home is that, you're, is that it allows you to take items such as your mortgage insurance, and your property taxes as a deduction, which for most people today, they're not able to take those as deductions because of the way the standard deduction was raised in the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. But now you can take some of those, part of those as a deduction for your office in your home. And that's a very good, a very good piece of knowledge to know that you can do but as you got to meet all of those tests that I mentioned earlier. You have to have exclusive use and exclusive use. You have to have regular use. You have to have trade or business use test. You have to meet all of those to be able to use the office in the home to use whether the direct expenses or the indirect expenses. Now, if you do happen to meet other qualifications to do itemized deductions, with your tax return, then whatever you did not take as a deduction for your office in the home, for your property taxes, or for your mortgage interest, you can then possibly take as part of an itemized deduction. So that's also uh, good to keep in mind and good to know if you qualify for those areas. Another expense that is sometimes often overlooked when it comes to office in the home is depreciation. Yes, when you take an office in the home, you got to take depreciation. And the poor, that portion of your home, so if you got a 1,500 square foot home, for example, and you're using 300 square feet exclusively for business, that 300 square feet is treated as a 39-year non-residential property, which basically means you got we got to take the the value of the home when you start using it another percentage we got to calculate and then we take that calculation that comes in in depreciation so you get a depreciation deduction as well included with your office in the home deduction i mentioned a little bit ago as well that when i started this that when you take an office in the home deduction it can also affect what happens when you sell your home and you're like, okay, I'm selling my home and I've taken this office in the home deduction for whatever few years and I've had the depreciation, but wait a minute now, I got to think about this when I'm selling my home. Well, according to IRS regulations, yes, you do need to do that. So what does it mean? I'm selling my home. I've used it for business purposes. Am I going to pay taxes now on the sale of my home? Well, I can't really answer the question yes or no, because it all varies based on facts and circumstances. As I mentioned earlier, so much in dealing with the IRS is all about facts and circumstances. So let's take a look now. We've covered about office in your home. What does it take to qualify? What kind of expenses can I take? But now you've been working in your home and you're deciding, well, it's time to move on. So I'm going to go ahead and sell my home. 
you may be asking or thinking about, well, isn't there some type of exclusion I get? Well, yes, there is some type of exclusion on gain that you receive. But since they've used it in, I've, you've used an office in the home deduction, it does adjust that. So then many times I get this question, people selling my home, I'm selling my home, how much in tax am I going to pay? Well, my question then is always, well, we need more information. That's all what I'm going to always tell people. I need more information. I can't tell you if you're going to pay tax, if you're not going to pay tax on the selling of your home, because there are a lot of facts and circumstances that play into it. And that's always my reasoning is facts and circumstances. We have to know what is happening with that. Well, let's take a look, take a few steps back here. And I'm going to come back and talk and address this part that I mentioned earlier about how does using the office in the home come back and affect the sale of the, of the personal residence. When you go and sell your home, depending on the title company, you could either receive the date you sell it, or at the end of the year, you could receive a form 1099S. And it really depends on the title company. I've seen different, uh, different circumstances, different title companies do different things. They only issue them out of, if the amounts are certain or a certain amount. So it really depends. But if you do get a form 1099S, be aware that you do need to include that on your tax return. Otherwise, once again, you get six months, a year later, you'll get this nice letter from the IRS saying, guess what? You didn't claim this or you didn't report this. So, oh, by the way, you sold this home. You were given $300,000. So you need to pay us tax on this $300,000 that you received on the sale of this home. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I didn't get that whole $3,000. $250,000 of that went to go pay the bank off. So why am I having to do this? And then you come and see me, a tax professional, and we fix it. So it's just be aware. If you see that form, you got to get it included with your taxes. Although sometimes in the, in the taxpayer's defense, I will say that sometimes you don't get the form but one is still filed because that has happened as well. But either way, you still got something that has to be fixed and can be fixed. Now, if you do happen to be foreclosed on or if your home has been repossessed, you still may get a 1099S because it's treated as a sale of your home. So keep that in mind. Just don't brush it off, but make sure you, that has to be filed. And which is which in those circumstances is not always a pretty thing, but still you can have tax ramifications if you do not file the tax return or make sure you include the 1099S on the tax return because there's still a possibility you may get one even on a foreclosure or repossession. Let's uh, now take a look at, when we look at selling your home, you got to first of all, calculate the basis in your home. Basis, and we're back to this word basis again. Yep, we got to have a basis in your home. So which comes into purchase price, what did you purchase for? So if you purchased, purchased it for $250,000, uh, how much did you pay in closing costs? That's why I need to know when that's happening. It's always good as a tax professional. I always ask for the closing documents. Uh, when you purchase the home, they're good. So anymore, what I'm going to work on doing myself personally is if I have a client buy a home, I'm going to invite them or ask them, okay, can you please bring me a copy of those closing documents? So we can put that in the file, keep that in the file so that if you do sell the home in the future, 
We have a, we have a basis determination for you. Some people perhaps build their homes or they personally contract that home out. Well, that you have land, labor, materials, legal fees, permits, utility connections, all of these then add into the basis of the home and helping to establish that. And once again, what are we establishing basis for? Well, what we're establishing basis, the purpose is to help us to be able to uh, know if we have any profit on the home at a later date. So what is the purchase price? Well, we got back to purchase price. So then we've covered purchase price. We've covered self-built. Now, what if you inherited the home? What's your basis there? Inherited is the fair market value at the date of death. So, but once again, we're looking at personal residence here. We're not talking about just inherited. So you inherited the home and you actually moved into the home as well. It's what we're talking about here. So inherited. So that's fair market value data. That was it given to me? Well, the home could have been given to you. And that happens a lot. Homes are gifted to children. So as I mentioned, it's the lore of the basis that the grantor had or the person that gave the gift. It's the lore of what their basis is or the market or the fair market value at the date of death. So on a gift, it can be very, very hard to determine in some cases what the basis is. But if someone just gifted you a home and say they paid 25000 for it 20 years ago, essentially they gifted to you, that's what your basis is going to be in that home is 25000 Now, once again, we're talking about some areas here. We're going to get into the exceptions with this. But what I'm mentioning is that it's important to know this information. So if you ever do it, if you get a gift and we're talking about selling a home and you move into the home and it is your primary residence, once again, that's uh, what I want to mention. We're talking about your primary residence where you're living. These are all still important numbers to know. So how about additional rules in a community property state? I'm not going to get into those. But those, there are some additional rules that fall in on those calculations if you're in a community property state. So those probably need to be looked at a little bit closer. So then what do we calculate when we're going to look into a gain or loss? Well, first step is when we sell the home, we have to look at how much did I sell it for? Did I sell it for $500,000? Okay, how much did it cost me to sell it? Well, I got commissions perhaps paid to a realtor. I got other expenses. Once again, closing documents are needed to really see what those selling expenses are. So then you can know, really know, well, how much did I actually realize? Now selling, one thing to keep in mind, the amount paid to the bank for a mortgage is not a selling expense. It's just paying off the mortgage. So just please keep that in mind. Now, after you get what the amount realized is and you got your basis, then you can determine, okay, do I have a gain on this? Or do I have a loss? Well, let's hit this right off, right up front. If there's a loss, the loss is not a deductible expense. But if you have a gain, you may have a taxable event, which is why we're talking about this, because if you have a gain, is any of the gain excludable? Well, if it's your primary, res primary residence, possibly some of it could be excludable. How much? Well, $250,000 per taxpayer of profit or $500,000 for a joint return. Those are the amounts that could possibly be excluded. But what is needed? 
what is required for those to be excluded. Well, there's three tests that you need to meet to be able to qualify for this. First is ownership. You need to have owned the home for two out of the last five years. And what's nice about this is that this test is met if either spouse meets the ownership test of this, which basically helps us to see that if, uh, if there's a marriage that occurs in there and one of them, uh, one of those individuals in the new marriage meets the test, you're there. Use test. Two out of the last five years. Did you live in the home at least two out of the last five years? Now, in this case, both of the individuals must meet this use test if you have a jointly filed tax return. Now, here's an interesting part, exclusion test. So in the exclusion test, you must not have excluded any other gain in the prior two years. Uh, so yes, you can only do this like every two years, but you got to live in, I mean, this, this two-year rule is pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. So yes, remember, you got to own it for at least two, two, uh, two out of the last five, use it for at least two out of the last five, and not have excluded any other, done any other exclusion in the last two years. And that's both, uh, both spouses in the case of a jointly filed tax return. Now, here's a, here's a warning to keep in mind. If you've had a spouse pass away in the last two years, well, a spouse pass away, let me refresh that. You can, you can get the exclusion still if you, sell the, if you sell the place, sell the home, no later than two years after the death. And the surviving spouse does not remarry before the sale. So basically, this is a, this is a planning thing. If your, your spouse dies and you're getting down the road, you're trying to remarry and you still have the home, but you're going to sell that, make sure you have it sold before you remarry. That way you get the exclusion and not have to pay the tax on it. Now, I also really like this part here, the two-year rule. And I mentioned for ownership, use test, exclusion test. That does not have to be two years or 24 months continuously. As long as it's within the five years, you meet the two-year rule. So basically what that helps us to see is that you can live in the property, have the, own, have the ownership test and the use test. You can live in the property. I would mainly mean say this with the use test though myself, is that you can use the property as your personal residence for like one year, then skip a year, then go back and use it another year as your primary residence, a year, year and a half, and then still get this exclusion. Very interesting how that works, but yeah, you definitely can do that. So basically what this comes down to is that you can exclude as an individual up to $250,000 of gain or capital gain on the sale of a home and not pay any tax on that 250,000 or 500,000 on a jointly filed return. Now, if you're selling a home at the time this is being broadcast, being broadcast and being recorded, this could be very handy to know, and very handy to do, especially with where home prices are. So keep, just keep these points in mind there. If you're thinking about that and make sure once again, uh, you're looking for that 1099S. But I did mention a little bit earlier, what if the home was used for business purposes 
or even a rental before the sale. So once again, it leads back to our home office discussion. We had a little bit earlier about why would I need to be concerned with this when I sell my home? Well, if you, if you use this home as a rental home prior to using it as your personal residence or using it as your personal residence and having a home office in the home, what you did on your tax return is that you were to have taken depreciation on this. Now you still get the exclusion. You can still get the exclusion, the $150,000 or the $500,000 exclusion, but you took depreciation on the home. Well, what does that mean? Well, when you go to sell the home, and this is true on items when you sell it with depreciation in general, is that what you need to do is then you must then recapture that depreciation at the time of the sale. So there, so you may have the exclusion, but then that depreciation that you took is, is going to come back at the time of sale. So you may pay tax on the depreciation. Now, the good part as far as um, when you're looking at office in the home, for example, the amount of depreciation usually is not that much, uh, maybe a few hundred dollars uh, a year or maybe even not a hundred dollars a year. Just really depends on facts and circumstances. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that, but just be aware that, yes, that, that depreciation would need to be recaptured. So it could possibly add a little bit of tax at the time when you sell a home that has been used for business purposes. So yes, we see here as we've gone through today on this, that yes, an office in the home can be a very good thing, can be very convenient. You just gotta meet the various tests, uh, the exclusivity test, the regular use test, the trade or business use test, those tests have to be met. The biggest one, the biggest challenge taxpayers have is the exclusive use test. So yes, as a sole proprietor, a single person, LLC, a farmer, a partner, statutory employee, keep in mind, yes, you can have an office in the home, have that designated spot, only use it for business purposes, and then keep accurate track of all of your expenses related to the home, your insurance, your repairs, your mortgage interest, your utilities, uh, insurance, everything, property taxes, make sure you have all of those. And you have to have them itemized out. Uh, if you're going to do an actual expense for the home office deduction so that all of that can be calculated, make sure you have an accurate uh, measurement of the square footage of your home and the square footage that you are using for business purposes. That way, once again, all that can be accurately calculated. And then keep in mind as you sell your home or you're selling your primary residence that you may need to recapture depreciation that was taken while using the home, perhaps as a rental or using the home, uh, the office in the home deduction. You still get uh, the $250,000 uh, exclusion per taxpayer or 500,000 on a joint return. But just keep, think about the basis of making sure that's tracking, helping your tax professionals to do that. Having closing documents, all of those items are very much important, which is why when I work with individuals to try to help them always, to do tax planning, to have the lowest tax possible. Now, we, it, taxes, tax can be a good thing. We just got, we don't want to pay any more than we legally need to pay. So let, let's keep in mind that we want to review and plan throughout the year. Right now, at the time of this recording, we're in the month of July, July, August. Good time. Let's take a look, see where we are.
Let's, this is essential. Get planned for the year. Take a year-round approach. Let's set some goals. Work together. Let's look at your estimated payments. Let's look at your withholding. Do you need to make estimated payments or update your estimated payments for the year? We have virtual tax preparation that we do. Video interviews works very well. Electronic signatures, uh, secure web portal. All of that is available to you through Cash Tracks Financial as I work with clients throughout the country in different states. And that's a great part about being an enrolled agent is that I can offer though that level of service to you, the taxpayer, to help you to indeed pay as little tax as possible. Keep in mind that you can reach me at 844-394-4287. Also email me at success at cashtracksfinancial.com. And of course, visit my website, which is cashtracksfinancial.com. Keep as a uh, Cash Tracks Financial and Marcelino Dodge Enrolled Agent. I work to keep tax time less taxing for you. I do indeed thank you for your time today. It's been a real pleasure communicating this wonderful information regarding uh, home office deductions and the exclusion of, uh, of primary residence, of a gain on a primary residence. So keep that in mind as we'll look forward to talking to you again soon here on the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge on the Voice America Business Channel. Thank you for listening to the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. We'll be back again next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share next week.